Hey guys, it's Scott from fxmissions.com. Just a note, I've finished the trilogy of anthologies from the forefront, and all three books are currently available on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast. Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. Hey, Scott McClellan here with your From the Forefront podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're joined right now by Chris and Jesse Langenscheid from a ministry here in central Mexico in the state of Guanajuato, the city, the, the metropolis of La Quemala. And uh, it's been great to be here with these guys these last several days. They're taking out some time here to talk to us about their story. Of course, From the Forefront, is uh, it's a podcast that talks about experiences, what it's really like to be out there doing it at sort of the edge. You guys have, a, have a, something of an unconventional ministry here. You've been very open to share with us details about not only things that have went good, but things that have went you know, some challenges, and also just the history of this place and your family, incredible history it is. So thanks for joining us here, Chris and Jesse. Thank you guys so much for taking some time. And also for Simon. Hola, Simon. Best dog around. I'm saying, that guy is something else. Yeah, we want to just talk a little bit into your story. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about where we are in terms of geographically here in Mexico. And from there, we can go to how you guys got right here. Okay. We're uh, in Guanajuato, as you said. Uh, Guanajuato is a state in the center part of Mexico. And we're in the northern part of Guanajuato. Okay. And a little community, a metropolis, <laughs> <laughs> called La Quemada. La Quemada. But this has been a very historic place. It's been here for a little bit over almost 400 years. Okay. Wow. It's, been, it's an old hacienda, uh-huh. which was put here by the Spaniards uh, around the ends of the 1600s. Okay. We are in a municipality of San Felipe. Okay. Uh, near to the Lores Hidalgo, which was uh, where the revolution, well, no, where the independence began in Dolores, in Dolores just 20 kilometers from it's there. a famous sort of historic place in, in here in Mexico yeah and the revolution you're speaking about would have been the 1901 or the 1910 1910 sorry yep. sorry yeah so Dolores Hidalgo San Felipe is close by and here we are in La Quemada in the center north of Guanajuato but Guanajuato is in the center of Mexico yeah if you take yeah. the, the Republic Mexico, the Mexican Republic, uh-huh. and you see it whole in a map, mm-hmm. pinpoint with a pen, where you think it's the center of the, of the country, that's right where we are. Wow, that's very cool. I'm somewhat new to this part of Mexico, so it's been really good to be here. Uh, it's great weather, great people, enjoyable climate, everything here is really, really nice. Especially when you know that Dallas is 110 right now or something like that. And here we are at 73 degrees or something. But it's been, it's been good. So 
Tell us a little bit about the background of La Quemada, how you got here. Of course, you are from, Chris, from a long line of people who uh, actually go back in a long way toward the time when this hacienda was, uh, you know, established. This hacienda has been in my family for five generations. My kids are the sixth, right? Mm. My kids would be the sixth generation okay. here. It was my great, great grandfather who bought this place in 1870. Okay. Before that, it, it belonged to a lot of people okay. and went through a lot of things. Okay. But almost every, since the late 1600s till 1870, it changed owner almost every 10 years. Okay. Or wow. less. Yeah. So it was, it belonged to a lot of people okay. before it came to be in my family. Okay. My great-grandfather, uh, in that time, he was the governor of the state of Guanajuato. Okay. And that's when he bought the, this property. In that time, it was around 45,000 acres or something. Like wow. That. It was huge. Wow. And then uh, he, how he came to be in the Langenscheid family, it's uh, a different story, but... Yeah. It changes a little bit because this Joaquin Obregón was a governor of Guanajuato. Okay. Great grandfather. Okay. He builds a dam here on the property, but he calls a German engineer to build it. Okay. And in the time that took to build the, the wall, uh, he fell in love with one of his daughters. Okay. The German engineer yeah. fell in love with one of the daughters. Of Joaquin Obregón. Yeah. So they got married, and since Joaquin Obregón had only girls, uh -huh. he didn't have any boys for ch for children. He left the property to this to her his daughter, uh -huh. and that married this German engineer. Okay. And since then, it has been part of the Langenscheid family. Okay. And we're talking about quite a little while here so generation after generation after generation yeah i know you shared with us a little bit earlier how some of the transitions and things happen maybe we'll get into that in a few minutes but just as a you know as an example or for more informational purposes what are you guys doing right here on the hacienda i mean what types of things are done here on the hacienda well we've been here for Almost 12 years, uh -huh. almost 13 years, almost 13 years, <laughs> in December will be, it will be 13 years. We came here because God brought us here, uh. there's no other reason. This place was abandoned when we got here, there was nothing, the fields were completely abandoned, the house was half uh, down, down huh? yeah. uh, rubble, half the of the building, it was bad, but but we felt, we really felt a calling to be here. Mm. We've, personally, our family, my father and my brothers and I, uh, have known or have this hacienda since 1990. Okay. Because my father bought it from his uncle in 1990. My father went away from the hacienda in 1969, 
this because when he was 19 years old, my grandfather was killed in a plane crash in the mountains of Monterey, near Monterey. From then on, he started taking care of the businesses of, of the business in, of my grandmother in Mexico, okay. Mexico City. Okay. So they, my father's family stopped coming to the ranch in, since 1969. Ah. And since then, he didn't set foot on La Quemada until 1990 when his uncle calls him and tells him, hey, I'm selling La Quemada and you have a part of it. Uh-huh. I need your, your authorization to sell. So he came and saw it and it was completely in ruins, completely oh. abandoned. His uncle had been out of La Quemada for maybe 10 years. He had only girls as children, uh-huh. so none of them took care of, of, of the fields or, or the ranch, and it got abandoned. Mm. And when he wanted to sell, he called my father. He came and saw it, and seeing it like that broke his heart completely because he, he tells me that he had some of his best years as as children, as a kid, mm-hmm. were here. So he decided he was going to buy. Instead of selling his part, mm-hmm. he was buying the part from his uncle. Since then, we started seeing the hand of God in amazing ways. Miraculous things happened. Since the land was abandoned, mm-hmm. there's so many people around started taking... Uh, the water from the dam and stealing it and using it to irrigate their crops when when it was supposed to be only for, for right for the hacienda. For the hacienda. So getting it back was very difficult because it was only my father. Uh-huh. My brother and I were very young. We were 14, 13, right. 14 years yeah. old. Uh, so he was facing the whole crowd guys with machetes and, <laughs> and telling him that it was their water and wow. he wasn't going to use it. And my father stood up to them and God backed him up mm-hmm. in a way that I remember once he was here because we didn't live here. We lived in Querétaro and he uh-huh. came back and forth. And then he came and he saw them stealing the water. So he called uh, the the, uh, the government that is mm-hmm. oversees the water things, uh-huh. the one in charge of that agency or that government thing remembered my father. My father didn't know who he, who he was talking to. Uh-huh. But he said, hey, you're Joaquin Langenscheid. I remember you. Because once when I was living in Mexico City, he told my father, you helped me. And my father said, when? I, do, I really don't remember. And this guy told him, you were, uh, I was renting an apartment from you in, in, in a building that your mother had. Things got really bad for me and I couldn't pay the rent. And you told me there was no problem that I could pay you when, when I could. And that really marked me. And now I am in a position to help you, and I'm going to send you the army that protects the water right now. It's 15 minutes away, and it, they'll be there in 40 minutes. 
So <laughs> the army came and backed my father. Wow. And with rifles, and they told uh, these people, you don't touch that valve again, or that would be the last time you'll touch it. <laughs> and I think this guy said, wow, who's this guy? Yeah. 40 minutes, he has the army back, uh, backing him up. That is and great. Wow. Things like that yeah. started to happen. Yeah. And since then, it's one after the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, God showing his, his, his will for this place. But, you know, you guys, you guys, the, like I'm out of here, you have several things you're doing. Yes. Right? Yes. You've got, you've got the, well, you've got, as I understand it, and I'm going to leave some stuff out. You've got the operating farm, first of all. Yes. Anybody who was ever a farmer knows what that's like. <laughs> Or who knew a farmer knows what that's like. That's a lot of hard work. So you got a lot. You got an operating farm here. You got the hacienda, which is a beautiful building. I felt like I was sitting among kings in there. You know, for this time, I just remember how taken I was with uh, building this age and the mystique and the, the beauty and and you know everything is big in in the hacienda. I mean, you know, not to mention the mantle and you know everything else. It's just Huge 25-foot ceilings or something. It makes you feel like you're stepping back in time. So you got the hacienda there. You've got the summer camps that you do. And we kind of participated in some of your summer camp type of activities since we've been here with the teams. We also know that you have a school. You started a, a an educational school here uh, on the property. Yeah. I'm missing something, I, I'm sure. Does that sound right, Jessica? Yes. Well, the, the the vision that we have for the place is three things. Okay. One, it's the farm, uh-huh. the fields that uh, allow us to have job for people. Okay. For the people here. In local the employment. Yes, local employment. And second is have a place for the church to have camps, retreats, and a place to stay here and and be in a time where we, you can hear the voice of God and be mm. a part in a place where you can be with God. Yes. And third is the community. is helping the community to grow in every area. Mm. So there's where the school is. Mm-hmm. We live through education and based on biblical principles and uh, we believe that's the key to turn out a new generation mm. uh, to start uh, it's actually it's like one vision with three branches okay because it's a little bit wide uh-huh. but as uh, we saw three different areas we we wanted to reach and, and grasp in that vision. One, as Jessica said, was making this productive farm so we can sustain ourselves right. and, and invest into the, the, the ministry. Second, it was how are we going to impact the community? And we saw that through the school, we can reach the children, and through the children, we can reach the families. Yes. We've seen amazing fruit uh, during this time that we've had the school because a lot of families are finally understanding and putting into practice the principles and values they, they we've been teaching them 
in the school mm -hmm. the, from the Bible yeah. and putting them in, in practice in their lives. And they're seeing that the atmosphere changes. Wow. They're starting to realize that those changes come because it's the word of God that they're starting to obey or put in practice in their mm -hmm. lives. Yes. And who wrote the word and where does that come from? Jesus. Yeah. So they get close to him and are starting to come near Christ and, and knowing that he's the, the fountain or the, the source yes. of all that's good. Yes, amen, amen. That, those are powerful concepts. Now, specifically with the recreational type, camp type things you guys are doing here for churches, when is the season for that? I mean, at what time of year are you doing these things? And if someone was listening who was interested, what can they know about that? We're open all year okay. because we have a, a very particular way of working. Uh -huh. We work with every group and we design a program or help the group design a program that meets their needs. Mm -hmm. So. If a group calls, hey, do you have these uh, dates mm -hmm. available? We check if we have availability. We tell them yes. One, how many days would you like to be here? One, two, three, four, five. And we plan everything together. The program, the activities program, teachings that are going to be given during the camp. Mm -hmm. uh, the leaders tell, tell us, hey, we want to share with, with our kids or with our youth this type of or this specific teaching or this specific topic. So we design the activities that back up that mm -hmm. topic that it's going to be shared with them. That makes the whole experience much more fruitful mm -hmm. because they don't have time where when you have nothing to do, you start thinking in things that you are not supposed to be thinking <laughs> of. So I, know, I, I don't know what that word is right, in English. Right. But right. we don't have those times. Yeah, you're active. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And that's been very fruitful. Yeah. Because our vision in that area is to be a, a tool for the church. Ah. That the church can come and use these installations, this uh, infrastructure, and the experience that we have to help them grow, help them impact their own communities, their mm -hmm. own local churches. Right. Yeah. We receive one group at a time. One group at a time. So if someone reserves the time, it's going to be the property and the facilities and the schedule and all yes, of that. Because uh, every, every church is different and, mm -hmm. and they have different needs. Mm -hmm. uh, so we make a program specific for that group that is coming. Mm. Wow. Very cool. We've experienced that part and you guys are squared away. <laughs> As we say on that front, a very structured mind, you guys. I'm more concept-oriented myself. She's, she's something else. So, wow, that, that's, uh, that's very cool. So you guys have been right here by the leading of the Lord for 12 years. Yes. As I think about that, two questions come to mind. And we, as we segue into those things, we'll come, we'll come to the conclusion of our time on From the Forefront. But I don't want to give you guys a zinger question. You're like, ah. But, you know, I mean, I'm thinking specifically about a time in, since you got here where you reached a crisis, where you reached a, a moment where you felt like, okay, you know, this is a big deal here. Maybe we can't go forward. Maybe we can't go back. I know a lot of times when you go, 
all in like you guys did. You went all in, and you went all in from the beginning. So when you go all in like that, especially in the beginning, there's a ton of motivation and there's accompanying signs and wonders and God shows up and things happen that are impossible and all that kind of stuff. And then about two years later, (laughs) or, you know, there's always some time later where you go, you wake up and, you know, you don't feel as, you know, you don't feel like uh, angels are just there singing, you know, at your... It's not only us. (laughs) Well, oh, wow. No, not not as far as I, in my experience, I have a few stories maybe a few generations of stories like that, more than one. I know you guys, during that 12-year time, you faced a crisis. You faced a turning point. You faced this, uh, a showstopper kind of situation. What can you tell us about that? Where you go? <laughs> you go. We, we, we may have time for more we than have one. Many, but yeah. but I yeah. think we have one that really Yeah, works. you have one. And I think both of you have perspectives on that. So yes. we, we, we would love to hear... Both perspectives, uh, you know. As you say, when God wants you in a place, uh-huh. He shows up. Mm. And He, you don't have a doubt yeah. that it's God calling you or that yeah. it's God wanting you to be there. Yeah. He shows and signs and wonders happen. Yeah. But it comes a time, like you say, that suddenly you realize, okay, what am I doing here? This is getting... A little frustrated. Yeah, frustrating, yes. And there was a time where everything started to go downhill. And I remember it it began by us renting the land for someone else to work it. Yeah. And this guy promised that it was going to be an amazing return financially for us. Mm -hmm. And... And we said, okay, that's it could be a good yeah. idea. I, I, we don't have to work that much. Yeah. And and we're gonna be receiving good financial uh, mm. benefits. Uh-huh. But when the harvest ended, nothing came out as it's supposed to. We were on a financial crisis and emotional crisis and camps stopped that year we had two camps that when we usually have from 13 to 16 but it all began because we started listening to the incorrect voices mm-hmm. we started putting we deviated our our sight uh-huh. and started focusing on other things that were not the purpose that God had for us mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. we said okay we want more money yeah. so Let's rent it because yeah. he's suffering more. And then we said, okay, that will it's gonna be good, but then it turned bad. Mm-hmm. And we our hearts were a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it was hard living here. I'm from a big city. Jessica's also from a very big city. And here we're only a thousand people live, leaving everything behind, friends, everything. Everything. At the beginning, as you say, it's you yeah. see God, so you have no doubt. Yeah. But when God tests tests you, suddenly you say, what is happening here? What am I doing here? I could be working or doing business in the city with my friends. And what am I doing? It happens that 
we always shared with the people in town about God, and we used to have gatherings to share the gospel. And, and on that time, the people stopped, stopped coming because the priest of the town was like, if you go to the hacienda, you're going to be expelled. Expelled, the, yeah. Yeah, from the Catholic Church. Excommunicated. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and so the people start being afraid of coming and listening to the Bible lessons yeah. that mm -hmm. we share with them. So everything started to go down. We didn't have people coming to hearing the, the word of God. Everything in the fields was going down also and it was a reflection of what was happening spiritually in, inside us. yeah yeah it culminated by having let's say they found a cancer in me oh. a, a melanoma which uh, we found out it was one of the worst more, yeah. more aggressive cancers there dangerous there are that was the point where when we said, okay, we need to turn back to God. As the Bible says that everything bad, it turns out for good for those who believe in him and follow him. That time when, from when the diagnosis came out till the time where they operated and they did the tests and the I was the surgery. Yeah. And yeah. And turned out I was clean. God showed himself to us back again with miraculous things and, mm. and wonders and signs. And, and our hearts came back. Mm. And from that point on, we, we learned that there's nothing better than to keep your eyes in Christ, no matter what, no matter the situation. And if you take care, I remember this. They just told us this last week. Remembered us of this. But if you take care of your father's business, he will take care of yours. Ah. And we said, this is the land because the word I received when we, I first brought Jessica here when I told her we were going to go live at my ranch. We weren't even engaged. God spoke to both of us. And the word that God gave me was, this is the land that I am giving you. And I was giving it away. So our, my heart wasn't in the correct position mm -hmm. and in the correct attitude. And it was all the reflection of what was mm -hmm. happening. But thank God, he brought us back. He showed us his mercy, his love. And that has a way to, to call his children back to him. Amen. I want to say something. Please. I remember that time when everything was going down. I grew up in, in a Christian family. Uh -huh. And for me, it always has been like normal being with God and talk to him and being with him and looking for him and his purpose for me. But on that time, I remember experiencing something that I, I have never lived before. 
that was that I couldn't hear his voice. I was feeling dry mm -hmm. and alone. Yeah. And I was, I remember in that season, I was like, God, I don't, I don't know where you are. I feel lost yeah. and I, I don't know how I feel. Yeah. And this is, this is not normal for me. And I remember that time praying to God and I was like, God, I don't want to live like this with these doubts and everything going down and we were depressed and mm -hmm. everything was horrible. Plus, I didn't hear, I wasn't hearing his voice. Yeah. So that was like, God, ah. I'm, I'm dying here. Wow. And I was like, God, please, if you are real. I, I never thought I could make that prayer, but yeah. I did it. And I was like, God, if you are real, you need to show up. You need to do something because I don't know what, what is happening in us and I miss you. I don't know what's wrong. Please do something. Wow. One month later, something like that <laughs> happened that the doctor told us that he was going to live only six months. <laughs> And I was gonna be a widow with two babies. <laughs> and I was like, I really got, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and when we got out the doctor's office, we were like, okay, what we are going to do? Are we going to believe everything we've learned from God that he is good, that he loves us and he's powerful and that he has a purpose for us, or we are going to believe everything this man just said to us. Because when he saw the, the melanoma in Christian's head, funny place to be in the head, <laughs> he just started talking to me. He just forgot about Christian. He was like, if you have some questions, you need to talk to me, I can answer you questions of what is going to happen. So he was like getting me ready for losing him soon. <laughs> and so I was like in shock. <laughs> But I remember that day we decided together to believe in God, that God really had a purpose for us. And to praise him no matter what. Yes, praise him no matter what. And we started this process where surgeries and tests mm. and things and everything. But there were the two months more amazingly because in those two months where all this process of the surgeries and everything until the final result was you are clean. It was amazing how God was talking to us, showing us things that every, day. every single day that he was with us. So that brought our hearts mm -hmm. so close to him mm -hmm. that I remember that time with joy and not with being scared. <laughs> wow. I actually remember that time where I'm like, God, We don't deserve that. And you are good. Mm. You, you are 
or father, you love us. Mm. I remember when we were just driving to he- to hear the outcome of the the final act, oh, the outcome of the surgery. Yeah, of the first surgery, to, they were going to tell us what it was and what stage it was in. Uh huh. We parked on the street in front of the building. The doctor's office. I remember telling this. Let's pray. Let's pray that we're going to hear the and, and then I told her, but if we don't, still we went up and opened the door. The first words of the doctor, good news. Good news, it was 0.2 millimeters from getting into your bloodstream. It's this and that and that. And, that. and you, I have to do another surgery just to remove a little bit more but that's just for for precaution and I need to do a couple of more things and then you're gonna do a PET CT scan uh-huh. and and everything was clean and good and, and I didn't have to go to, through chemo or nothing else wow and <laughs> it was an experience, a turning point. Wow. And from that moment on, it's been, we've been seeing everything. Progress, yeah. Progress, wow. Powerful. What a, what an honor you share that story with us. Thank you for that. 0.2 millimeters is not a very big distance, by the way. You you can't even see through it, it's so small, you know. That's crazy. Wow. And the doctor was like, I can't believe this because wow. the size of the melanoma was big. Significant. And for yeah. the size of the melanoma, he was saying, this should be here for at least one year, maybe two. And that means he's going to go fast. Yeah. But I was sure that that thing wasn't there for longer. I was like, no, I know his hair. Because I cut his hair. <laughs> no wonder like, you look so stylish. All right. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that hasn't been there for maybe one, two months. Uh-huh. And the doctor was like, no, it, it, it's huge. Wow. So this probably has been here for one or two, two years. And there is, is when I realized that it was an attack. Mm-hmm. Because it 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 didn't make sense. Didn't make sense, right? Yeah, it wasn't natural in that sense. We were praying and not taking that light from the (laughs) end. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that, and praise God, the hand of the Lord was right there with you. And I mean, making everything turn around. What a critical period! And I mean, it shows it points to the faithfulness of the Lord. Even when we're kind of looking around and say, you know, like we're not focused, paying attention, we're not purposeful. I know in my own life, some of the times that the Lord has shown up for me most powerfully and most magnificently and reinforced his love to me was when I was, it wasn't because I was doing well or even, you know, there was nothing to do with deserving it or nothing to do with uh, doing things that would make sense naturally that God would come to your rescue. 
but I mean, the Lord's rescued me at times, but I certainly didn't deserve rescuing, you know? And that to me is a reassurance of God's love that is enduring and powerful and constant, consistent, unfailing. So encouraging. Clearly, you guys have been generations here, generations, generations, generations. Now you guys are, you know, here and you're going forward. I know other families here with you guys are going forward. I just want to take one short segment here and ask you, you know, as you look into the future, you know, what are, what are some of the thoughts or dreams or hopes or what, what, are you, what are you hoping that you will see in your lifetime as a result of your work here? What has God shown you? What, what are you thinking about? I know God has his time and it's his time and not ours. Sure. But I'm seeing that we're starting a time where things are going to be accelerating at a pace that is going to be faster than I can imagine. Mm. Because I've been seeing how the pieces of the puzzle have been slowly being put yeah. together. And it's yeah. like a puzzle. At first, it's difficult. But the last pieces, you go one after the other. Yeah. I can see very clearly this community for Christ. Wow. Uh, we see a, a place, a place that God is going to use to prepare people, to train people to go expand. to expand, to go on missions all around the world, all around wow. Mexico. Wow. We still have a lot of infrastructure to build, to do, but I know that for God, that's not an issue. And when he has his time, it'll come to pass because we've seen it. He has shown us what he wants for this place and what he wants for these people here. We've received word and confirmation that God has a plan for this place. Mm, absolutely. We just want to be there to see it happen. Yeah. Because God is incredible. He does the work. He yeah. really does the things. Yeah. You, we just need to be obedient and be where he tells, tells us to be, and he'll make things happen. Wow, so true. You guys have seen that? Generation over generation, so many stories. Even in your own season here, these 12 years, almost 13, almost 13. that you've been. How precious your story. Thank you for sharing that. We'll include your contact information on the, on the, uh, the out piece of the thing. We'll, we'll include the Facebook and the, and the website information. Uh, we'll hope that people will uh, see that and reach out to you guys. Um, and, you know, we really appreciate what you guys are doing. We've had a really good time here. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. I think it's your house. Yeah. Wow. I tell you, to me, it's like uh, it really has been unique in my experience. And I've been around a bunch of, you know, places. The hospitality, obviously, here is over the top. But it's something else here, you know, I think that from a spiritual standpoint that we just, you know, recognize the Lord is the Lord is near and he's in this. And it's also will be obvious in the days to come for you guys. You know, the contribution the team has had for you guys, and your staff and, and whatever like that, your family. We look for fruit and we look for uh, the stories of God's goodness unfolding. 
you guys have some good fruit in there. I tell you that. Some of these kids, wow, they're they're solid. And, you know, that's the result of your labors. So more and for God's glory. Amen. More and for God's glory. Thanks for joining us on From the Forefront. We'll catch up with you guys downrange, I feel sure. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to, uh, to that time. Blessings to you. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Mission Show, bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions podcast from the forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. Quite a bit of content out there. We hope you enjoy it. Also, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook. If you know of someone who should be featured on From the Forefront because of their forefront missions experience or exploits, please reach out to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.